Ed Varnell at that retro code on Twitter asks, have you ever done an episode on anxiety and why it has risen over the years? Hey, Ed, thanks for the question. I know I'm not known for the deep, heavy kind of questions, but I wouldn't mind trying to branch out to it. You know, trust me, I'm not Dr. Phil, but I don't mind helping. On a previous blog episode, I talked a little bit about my own anxiety, mostly from work stress and whatnot, but that is a small-scale test that really can't measure up to a society level. But in large-scale terms, there's a really easy answer why anxiety is a bigger issue. Because the world is complete bullshit! I know that we're supposed to keep our chins up and act like it's getting better, but there is absolutely no proof to this untested hypothesis. Depending on your age, it could be different. But think about the nightmare garbage we've gone through, just on your own timeline. I'm going to try this little experiment of listing all the horrible things that have happened as much as I can remember. I didn't think this would be such a scientific show, but here we go. Columbine, 9-11, Afghan War, Iraq War, Economic Issues of 2008, Nightmare Culture of the Mid-2000s that Rewarded Bad Behavior, Rise of Conspiracy Theories and Not in the Fun Way, London Terrorist Attack, France Terrorist Attack, Sandy Hook, North Korea, Japanese Nuclear Meltdown, Pandemic, Insurrection, Inflation, and I didn't look any of this up. And that was just the stuff I remembered. Trust me, I forgot plenty, like the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting, the bombing at the Boston Marathon, the countless amounts of natural disasters, etc. Granted, there didn't seem to be a good website for that kind of news. The site I looked up, even just for a trivial amount of database lookup, stopped at 2013 for some reason. Apparently, the Mayan calendar got to them as well. Eh, eh remember the Mayans? Geez, even the cute stuff isn't funny when you realize how much it affected people. And I think the key factor to these events is the lack of preparation in literally everything I listed. Like, how do you plan for a nuclear meltdown when an earthquake and tsunami happen at the same time? They might have plans for one or the other, but not both. We just keep getting hit with the craziest shit possible that we have no idea what to do about. I mean, how in the world do you top religious terrorist hijackers taking control of four commercial airline planes and flying them into symbols of capitalism? As it turns out, it's by a completely new and unknown respiratory illness with no cure sweeping an entire planet, and we just do absolutely nothing about it. You know, looking at my list, I have a feeling most people are going to point to 9-11 as the biggest game changer, which it is, don't get me wrong, but I resonate more towards Columbine as the starting point. Like, just saying that like sends a chill in my spine. Living through that era is just insane. Especially when you're going to school and the biggest story is nothing but school shooting, school shooting. And the fact that it's still an issue to this day 
means we learn nothing. Also, I have a completely inappropriate bit concerning Columbine, which I will share with you now. It was a day off, and I made the trip to the bookstore. And there was a newly released book on Columbine, you know, in-depth, looking at the history, interviews, the whole deal. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I realized one thing. You cannot even buy this book without some kind of trouble and or judgment. Because if you buy that book online, you're going to appear on some watch list or get visited by some men in black types and disappear for a while. And if you buy the book in person, you are just going to scare some poor cashier who's just doing her job. Like, you could buy a book called Big Wet Boobs and Butts, and the cashier will nary even look at you funny. But if you buy that Columbine book, you're going to hear thumps at the register because the cashier is trying to find the security button. Now, all that is in the grand scheme of things. Can't predict it, can't control it, and most of the time leads to a very indirect effect. I think a lot more of the person-to-person -person anxiety comes from your childhood, both nature and nurture. We get raised on a lot of stories that supposedly are how things are supposed to be. You know, finding love, how to treat people, good moral values, all those ideas. Granted, uh, most of the stories we had as kids were, you know, freaking Disney movies. Nothing wrong with them, but now we just have an excess of weird Disney adults, which is a completely different form of mental illness. So we're ingrained with this idea of how things are going to shake out. But a lot of the time, there really isn't an explanation of how those things actually come to be, like the hard work behind the scenes. So when we don't meet some and or any of those measuring posts as we get older, you get these thoughts of, you know, what am I doing wrong with this idea that we are now failing this game of life. You know, great example, every damn story ends, people falling in love, getting married, finding the one quote unquote and all that shit. And yet here I am at 34 knocking on the door of 35 with nary a serious relationship to even speak of. So according to my headcanon, I'm really screwing up. And I mean, I've seen people, and even before getting married, dating right through high school, getting married right out of high school, having kids, the whole deal. And here I am, my piece sitting at start, like I've lost the dice to the game of life. But extended metaphor, you get the idea. So as people move on, they're meeting other people at various degrees of successes and or failures. So we're bouncing all of these different ideas at each other, judging ourselves against other people, which is us being not fair to us. You know, unless someone has had the exact same upbringing to you, you can't really compare. But a lot of people are going to, no matter what. I mean, not, not only in expectations, but different experiences as well. So you're getting hit with so much stimuli, ideas, everything, just taking the odds that one of these are gonna hit a nerve and set off something bad. Which brings up the issue of being triggered. Now, please remember, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a sociologist, I am barely even a human some days, so yeah, take my answers with a grain of salt. If you have any objections to my answers, 
you can start your own damn podcast. To me, in my opinion, triggers are on a micro scale, not a macro scale. If an individual has an issue over something because of a trauma in the past, that's completely justified. My theory is that everyone has a song that when they hear it will make them time travel back to a painful point in time where they will become completely lost in the moment. For me, Mr. Brightside by The Killers will send me into a vortex of pain, screaming the names of people who don't care for me at all, putting me into a such a bad situation that being waterboarded would be an acceptable substitute. But the videos of groups of people getting together and being triggered over the same issue... I'm sorry, no. That's not being triggered, that's performance art. That's protesting against an issue. That's all fine, but if you're just standing in one place and whining about it, what exactly does it do? These always seem to be happening in colleges and stuff, where people think their opinion matters. P.S. It doesn't. And b besides, you know any of the dudes there? They're trying to hook up. Granted, if they're going to a place and some hot chick is screaming and crying and being triggered, that's just getting all of the red flags out in the open. If a bro decides, yeah, I can deal with that, more power to him. Look, anxiety is a complex issue, one that a mere podcaster who spends most of his time playing video games and watching nostalgic movies does not have an answer to. And trust me, there is no such thing as one answer to this issue, because it's going to keep on mutating as these issues continue. The best thing I can tell you to do, get yourself a hobby, do that hobby, keep it separate from everything else in the world. That way, it's just for you. Thanks for the question, Ed. Question 368. If I had a superpower, what would it be and why? You know, I went to college for business. Bad idea, I know. But in a bunch of those classes, there's always a big need for networking. So there's always some kind of cheesy activity about meeting all your classmates who aren't going to talk to you. But there's always a little bit of freedom with it, like the kinds of questions you could ask other people. This question was actually one of the questions I would ask people. It was either that, or what is your favorite Saturday Night Live sketch? It's a little more obscure, but SNL seems to be one of those shows where everyone has a little period of time where it's like the most amazing show. Granted, I was in an era where we had the reruns on Comedy Central, like from the mid-90s to almost the 2000s, so it made finding a sketch a lot easier. Uh, anyways, the question at hand, what is my superpower? What is my quirk in a more contemporary phrase? To explain it in a completely made up scientific way, 
I would have the power to control the kinetic and potential energy generated in my body and be able to flip them back and forth. So that way I have the power to store up power in my body. Sounds weird, but here's the plan. As a striker slash kickboxer slash martial artist, you have something called shadow boxing. This is where you are by yourself, you know, no gym equipment necessary, and you are basically doing all of the physical movements, the punches, kicks, knees, elbows, all of the fight stuff. So each time I throw something, I can store the physical power created and have it built up. So if I throw five right crosses, I can plan the punch I want to have five times the power. And depending on how fast you can throw, you can build a ton of power in a small amount of time. And even applying this concept to my feet, not only could I kick people through a wall, but this lets me get to the super speed pretty fast as well. Cheap pun, I know. Again, I just make my feet do the motion of walking or running, and then flip the switch, and I'm down the street like the Roadrunner. I could literally do the cartoon thing where I'm stuck in the air for a few seconds and then I start moving, you know, doing the whole let's get out of here, Scoob. Now, the only real downside to this is probably just physically looking really ridiculous. Again, to non-martial artists, the concept of shadow boxing seems really foreign. Everyone thinks you have to hit something like a bag or someone holding pads for you. But no, you can just kind of throw these punches out. Same thing. You know, just imagine the bank robbers run out onto the street. They're looking for the van. I do the superhero entrance. And then I just start doing like the Ollie shuffle and shit like that. The robbers do the thing where they ask, just ask each other, what the hell is this guy doing? But I'm slowly getting closer and closer. Wind land that big knockout blow. And then I get hit by the getaway vehicle. I suppose that's the real big weakness to this concept. There's nothing here that actually keeps me invincible. It's not like I can absorb impact or anything. I can only control the energy within my body. So pretty much any bullet or giant boulder means I'm easily dead within 10 seconds of a fight with a projectile based villain. Granted, that's basically anyone with a gun. That's basically where a big difference in style is. Even though I have a superpower, I really don't feel like a hero. I'm very much a rogue anymore, but like with a good side. Like I want that mysterious past where everyone tries to get me to save the day, except I price them way out of my league. So they just kind of turn their back on me, but then I come in to save the day anyways. So I only charge them half of what I asked for. Verbal contracts, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Plus for some reason I'm struggling with a name. KO is a little too on the nose. One Punch Man is already taken. Bare Knuckle is okay. Except, have you seen Bare Knuckle Boxing? That is some nightmare knockout power there. That is getting sent to the Shadow Realm's therapist. They've seen some shit. Combo works for the Quirk's name, but it feels really cheesy for the hero name. This is just the part where I start stealing Jean-Claude Van Damme movie names and hope for the best. You know, kickboxer, blood sport. I'm not above some copyright infringement. So I think that would work out for me pretty well. It's not flashy by any means, but I know what works for me. 
Granted, it's also not the most marketable thing in fandom. You know, at best, I probably just look like a playable character from Final Fight. Mm, trust me, we all have our own mayor's daughter we have to save. Question 1,235. What is the most boring party I've ever been to? This is actually fairly interesting, especially since I've never been big on any kind of parties. Music, talking, strange new places, women, none of it works out for me. I think that's the social anxiety talking, because it always flares up in these kind of situations. Like, on the topic, because I have no idea when it will ever come up, one year, me and my family went out for St. Patrick's Day dinner at like Quaker Steak and Lube, which is like the chicken wing joint if you don't have that brand in your area. Long story longer, it's a bunch of loud parties, tables getting green beer and novelty gas pump dispensers, and me being completely miserable. The only thing I was doing was focusing on the furthest place away, which was like a Dick's Sporting Goods across the street. Hmm, I guess I have to mention the 10-year class reunion, mostly because I think it's a bit of a dying tradition. You know, my generation were the guinea pigs to social media while during high school, so in theory, we never really lost track of each other. And more than likely, we were in contact with who we wanted to be the entire 10 years since graduation. So... One night to catch up when we basically knew everything going on with them because we sent them a friend request eight years ago, it was pretty pointless, especially when no one in your circle shows up anyway. But that wasn't even the worst one. Even with the awkwardness of the waitress who you really wanted to see naked back in the day, the look of horror in her eyes, hearing the screaming in her brain upon seeing you. There was another time that I considered the worst thing I ever went to. It counts as boring because it basically dashed the plans set in the moment as no one could expect what we got stuck in. Flashback to 2007, maybe 2008. It's that period of time where you've just graduated high school, yet you're still kind of keeping up with the high school friends as college hasn't introduced you to the curiosity of new people yet. The circle I was most affiliated with were a bunch of goofballs. As far as I know, they weren't drinkers or druggies or anything like that. Put it like this, in high school, they were the group of kids that made a sketch comedy troupe. Fully admitting, that's really peculiar, but it's better than getting trashed all the time. Save that for when you're an adult and nothing is working. So it's a random weekend, they all go, hey, let's hang out, you know, I'm in. I've been to the house before, they've had a few musical performances there, so I kind of know the place. But about 15, maybe 20 minutes in, 
One of the guys, not an actual member of the sketch group, but still goofy, goes, Hey, let's go over to my place. Now, the joke was between a few of the guys that the road between their houses was just one long hallway. They lived that close to each other. He was not one of those guys. His place was a bit out of town. The thing of it is, he wasn't in the next town over. He was in the side roads in between towns, which is way worse. You miss one turn, you are stuck haunting a cornfield for the rest of your life. And trust me, I'm bad with directions anyways. I use a GPS, it talks to me in baby talk. That's how bad it is. So we get to his place, you know, a single trailer, not judging, just stating facts. And inside were, up to that point in time, the three most drunk adults I'd ever met in my life. You know an adult can handle their booze when you see the remains of the case of beer they'd gone through, and yet there was no slurred speech at all? Along with a lot of phrases like, no, I'm not worried about the checkpoint, they could follow me home. And here's the thing. These three booze hounds would not shut the fuck up. Their conversation never petered out. It only got stronger because some fresh kindling walked into the door. Hell, you even got the same story in the same order, almost the exact same viewpoint, twice in a row from two different people. Thrilling for a bunch of teenagers. And here's the thing. I was the stranger in the group. You know, I lived outside of town, so I never really hung out with these guys too much. And when something new comes into your field of view that hasn't heard your boring story of the dog that was your best friend when you gave it potato chips, guess what? Target acquired. Plus, he was assuming I was a goofball like the rest of that group, except I was even pretty reserved back in the day, if not more so than now. So I'm getting picked on by Psychobilly Freakout, attempting to be nice in a strange new world I have no idea how to get out of, when all I really wanted to do was hang out with my friends. Like, as soon as someone said, hey, let's get out of here, I bolted out after them like the last plane was leaving Vietnam. I have basically not visited these friends since this visit, and I have never seen those adults ever again. I hold nothing against them, but talk about ruining a teenager's night. You know, we wanted to have fun and hang out, play games and whatnot, but instead, we got stories and arguments about neighbors. It's strange how I have that night marked and carry it around in my memory. In retrospect, it wasn't the worst night ever. You know, I have way worse nights and moments than just sitting in a cramped trailer listening to Larry the Cable Guy's worst brother. It's more about how the expectation of fun and skits just got shattered, which is probably the bigger issue. It's like the plan that goes wrong in every way possible, except you can pinpoint exactly where it went wrong, and you know whose fault it is. Jerry. You know who you are. Why is that guy naked? Alright, this party sucks. Ninja Brian, explode this building with your mind. Well, that'll about do it for this time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. 
You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JustOuch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Or send an email to ouch64 at gmail.com. And if you really want to show your appreciation, consider a monthly donation to this little old podcaster. Click on the link in the episode description to find out more. Until next time, everybody. You'll hear from me soon enough. Bye-bye.